I looked up from the board, idly, as the woman, struggling, in the grasp of two guards, was thrust into the vicinity of our table. It is your move, said Samos. I regarded the board. I moved my Yubar's Tarnsman to Yubara's Tarnsman 5. It was a positioning move. The Tarnsman can move only one space on the positioning move. It attacks only on a flight move. The woman struggled fiercely in the grasp of the two guards. She could not, of course, free herself. Samos studied the board. He positioned his homestone. It was, looking at the tiny counter at the edge of the board, his tenth move. Most Kaisa boards do not have this counter. It consisted of ten small cylindrical wooden beads strung on a wire. The homestone must be placed by the tenth move. He had placed it at his now vacated Yubar's Initiate 1. In this position, as of the Yubara's Initiate 1, it is subject to only three lines of attack. Other legitimate placements subject it to five lines of attack. He was also fond of placing the homestone late, usually on the ninth or tenth move. In this way, his decision could take into consideration his opponent's early play, his opening or response to an opening or development. I myself, whose homestone was already placed, preferred a much earlier and more central placement of the homestone. I did not wish to be forced to sacrifice a move for homestone placement in a situation that might, for all I knew, not turn out to be to my liking, a situation in which the obligatory placement might even cost me a tempo. Similarly, although a somewhat more central location of the homestone exposes it to more lines of attack, it also increases its mobility and thereby its capacities to evade attack. These considerations are controversial in the theory of Kaisa. Much depends on the psychology of the individual player. Incidentally, there are many versions of Kaiso played on Gaul. In some of these versions, the names of the pieces differ, and in some, even more alarmingly, their nature and power. The cast of players, to its credit, has been attempting to standardize Kaisa for years. A major victory in this matter was secured a few years ago when the cast of merchants, which organizes and manages the Sardar fairs, agreed to a standardized version, proposed by and provisionally approved by the High Council of the Cast of Players for the Sardar Tournaments, one of the attractions of the Sardar Fairs. This form of Kaisa, now utilized in the tournaments, is generally referred to, like the other variations, simply as Kaisa. Sometimes, however, to distinguish it from differing forms of the game, it is spoken of as Merchant Kaisa, from the role of the merchants in making it the official form of Kaisa for the fairs. Player Kaisa, from the role of the players in its codification, or the Kaiso of Enkara, for it was officially promulgated for the first time at one of the fairs of Enkara, that which occurred in 10,124 CA, Contasta R, from the founding of R, or in year 5 of the Sovereignty of the Council of Captains in Port Car. The fair of Enkara occurs in the spring. It is the first fair in the annual cycle of the Sardar fairs, gigantic fairs which take place on the plains lying below the western slopes of the Sardar Mountains. These fairs, and others like them, play an important role in the Gorian culture and economy. They are an important clearinghouse for ideas and goods, among them female slaves. The woman stifled a cry and stamped her foot. Samos, his homestone positioned, looked up. It was now two days before the twelfth passage hand, 
in the year 10,129 CA. Soon it would be year 11 in the sovereignty of the Council of Captains in Port Carr. It seemed somehow only recently that the five Ubars, who divided Port Carr between them, had been deposed. Squat, brilliant Chung, and tall, long-haired Nigel, like a warlord from Torvald's land, had fought with us against the fleets of Kos and Tyros, participating with us in the victory of the 25th of Sakara, in year one of the Council of Captains. They remained in Port Carr as high captains, admirals in our fleet. Silius Maximus was now a despised and minor courtier at the court of Chenbar of Khazra, Ubar of Tyros, the Seaslene. Henrius Savarius, freed, now a young man, had his own ship and holding in Port Carr. He owned a luscious young slave, Vina, whom he well mastered. She, now a love slave, had once been the ward of Chenbar, Ubar of Tyros, and once had been intended to be the free companion of Gross Lurius of Jad, the Ubar of Kos, thence to be proclaimed Ubara of Kos, which union would have even further strengthened the ties between these two great island Uberids. She had been captured at sea and had fallen slave. Once marked and collared, of course, her political interest had vanished. A new life had then been hers, that of the mere slave. I did not know the whereabouts of the fifth Ubar, Eteocles.